again. This is the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show, and my name is Alon. And my name's Ara. We're back on uh, a somewhat normal schedule now. Speak for yourself, Alon. Yeah. It's been, it's been what, like a week and a half since we recorded? Maybe. It's been so long, I don't even know what talking is like. Yeah, a lot has happened in that time. Um, I've played... I want to say I've played a lot. I haven't played that much. Like, I played some more Mario. I played some more... Rezogun, whatever it's called. You know Pinsky? Yeah. Joe, how right? Could, how could I forget Pinsky? He's like 11 in the world in that game. What's this Rezogun? I feel like I played it. And, oh, that's the game you showed me that I didn't like. Yeah, because but... Because it's because you have to save people instead of shoot them. You also weren't willing to put more than 30 seconds of watching it, you know. You could have played it a little bit. Because it gets better as you play and you realize what's going on and... Oh, I, my, my attention span is ruled with the iron fist, and if, oh. if I haven't decided in the first, it's like, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, when you approach a girl, like, if I haven't decided in the first 10 seconds that the next 10 seconds are worthwhile, or could be worthwhile, no chance. But, like, with any game, there's, there's a potential large amount of, of mental input, right? And you, as you play, you learn to break through all of that. It's like seeing the Matrix, you know? You yeah, can, yeah, yeah. You visualize, you understand what's going on, and, uh, well, now I know what's going on, I, for I the can, most part. I can certainly submit and admit that it can get much better without being willing whatsoever to attempt to experience any of it. Yeah, yeah, I've witnessed that myself from you. So I want to try that online co-op, and I sent I sent Joe a message saying he has to teach me how to play. Apparently, since I am not that good, and he's like eleventh. Well, there's there's one particular level on which he has the eleventh highest score. So wait, could this be because there's eleven people playing that level? No, there are thousands. Okay, thousands and thousands. I have no idea how because, like, he has a much better score than me on the first level, but I've. I played through it pretty much perfectly. Like, no deaths, no uses of bombs, collected all the humans. Like, I I never lost my multiplier. I could play the whole thing basically perfect, and I got something on the order of 6 million, and his is like 10 million. So he has almost double my score, and I don't I don't understand. There's, there's some, uh, some metric in the game or, or some process by which the game creates a score that I do not understand obviously maybe it's just his kind of game maybe it's somehow exactly like ice hockey (laughs) he does like that i gotta say so like when when this whole like playstation 4 you can record videos and put them on facebook thing happened he put a test like video or or still shot or something on pornographic no he put a test shot from a game on just and he said just testing out the ps4 share functionality and I, I think I said this in a comment on the post. I may have not said it and just thought it. But it was something like, thank God you're just testing it. Because if I see this crap on my feed all the time, you're totally getting blocked. And now he's posting like 10-minute FIFA match videos all the time. And let me tell you, if, and this is a pretty severe if, I was the type of person to care about any part of his FIFA matches... It would be a very, very, very short five seconds, maybe ten seconds of some crazy play. Very short. And he's posting like ten, twelve minute matches. The whole, the por- whole shebang. No, portions of matches or something, oh, I, okay. I assume, because it seems to cut in in the well, middle of a game. I don't know. I can, this kid needs to cut it out. I can relate because I post videos of my online Gran Turismo excursions and they... Uh, interest me endlessly and nobody else do you put it just on your basic facebook feed for all your friends to see or do you put it in a space that is dedicated to people who like a bunch of car stuff uh even more specific i put it in a space that is dedicated to uh, nobody ever gaining visibility to it unless i send them a link okay see so that that's encouraging right you're not shoving it in front of everybody this cat has no, me. I am staring. showing it, but just individually. Okay. <laughs> this cat has me watching his his FIFA videos, or at least having to scroll past them all the time, this every is, day. You know what, though, this it just makes me think it is nothing but play video games. This is an interesting larger topic. Uh, now I'm Joe. I'm speaking to you directly. I'm 
kind of wondering if you're doing this um, deliberately. To piss me off? No, 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 no. But that you really feel like that the volume, assuming that Alon's description of the volume of content that you're putting online is accurate, that you're actually all excited about every single match, all the 20, 10 minutes of all the matches you're putting online. Because here's here's the larger issue that I want to discuss here that I think is really interesting. So now we have this thing, and we have a bunch of means now by which users can just generate content very, very easily, especially if, especially with video game playing content, right? Because you don't have to put a lot of effort. You just have to record what you're doing. So now that we have tons and tons of people that are generating all this stuff, like what now? Like now what? Okay, now what? Right? Now, now that we have this morass of data, of uh, which because uh, this is true of any media, right? One percent is going to be really awesome, and the other ninety-nine percent is going to be really boring. So now, what mean? By what means are we going to sift through all this and figure out what's worth watching? That's my question. That's <clears throat> so. That's what I think is fascinating about this this idea that they've added this to the PlayStation Four, right? Because now that this means that we're going to deal with this for the entire generation of the system, right? As well as you know on the Xbox One. And so I try to think of its roots. You know, why is this share functionality so big? And you know, there were some games that were building it in. You know, hacking in Facebook, whatever, into their games, and now it's officially a part of the system. And I think, like, well, what were these developers thinking in the first place? What were they trying to gain from it? And clearly, the more people talk about your game, the more potential interest there is. It's free marketing. So I understand from that point of view that it helps to sell your game. But it is an extreme measure to build that. Right, I mean, it's right in the controller. There's a share button. I would never have believed that that would happen that they would actually build it directly into the hardware that everyone holds. Yeah. Well, I think what's happening, my impression, and I feel like this is the way it is with most new technologies, is that the Sony executives decided that what's going to be really important in the coming generation is sharing media and generating media by user. And... So now that this has been basically decreed by all of the individuals that have enough agency to basically direct the direction of where the game industry is going, once this has been decided, then everybody gets on the bandwagon and is like, okay, well, this is this is the next big thing, so we're all going to just jump and support this. But the thing is, is that everyone decides it's the next big thing without thinking it through. And so we know it's the next big thing, but now we're going to have all these videos that we don't know what to do with. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a drastic measure when it's not easily reversed, right? When you build it into hardware, you got to be really, really sure. And that's what's strange to me. Like, they, I guess... Like this is what the human population does. We, we go for it. We decide this is going to be it. We go for it. You and, know then, and then we is, only really find out if it should have been when it massively fails or doesn't. I would say that Sony historically does not just go for it in a lot of what they do. Yeah, well, let me, let me, let me make an analogy, though. It's like – yeah, I'm not going to be able to think of a good one. Anyway, let's keep going. So bottom line is they're now creating this influx of junk, which is obviously predictable. They would know that that was going to happen. But I don't think it matters, right? Because I'm I'm still faced with FIFA videos every day, like whether they're good videos or not. What matters is the the branding. I see a message of FIFA. My friends yeah, playing and, FIFA. And I, I believe that as far as the executives go, I mean that's their primary interest. Yeah, and from a marketing standpoint, I totally get that. Yeah, it and makes it, and sense, it, and it works for that utility, of course, quite well. But from the user's point of view, I'm going to get. I mean, I'm, I'm clearly satiated. I don't, I don't need any more of yeah. this. Well, here's the funny thing, right? From my own perspective, I want to make videos of stuff that I think is interesting of my performances. But there's very few of other people's performances that I'm interested in watching. And it's so few, it might be zero. 
Yeah, I I wonder if there's a specific demographic that is more likely to consume this content, right? Like if we were still in in grade school or high school or whatever, would I be want to would I want to watch more of these videos? Or it's just it's super hardcore. I think that's basically what it is. Like if I was really really into whatever game, then I, I would want to watch it. And I question whether or not anyone who's anywhere but in the hardcore of any particular game would want to watch these videos. For instance, like I could watch someone playing DDR. And that game is pretty simple, right? Um, <clears throat> the display of the actual game, right? But I could watch someone play it with their flair and their dancing. You'd and never want to watch somebody play it through Twitch TV, though, and only get to see the the, the no, monitor. Co- correct. That would be pretty um, boring. But even I mean, I've got. To, I mean, I've even even watched just songs, just the video output of the game before. Not, I mean, not a lot. Sometimes you're just like, wow, that's crazy. How would I play that? Where no, would my you feet know, go? You know what? For, for hardcore competitive purposes, I mean, there's definitely a great utility there because you can see how people do other things and yeah. stuff like that. But but anyone else. So if there's a scale of people who like don't like a game to like a game from 0 to 100, I'm thinking like the last 2 or 3% are the hardcores. Like they really, really, really love the game and they do things that other people don't do. They make extra content for games. They analyze the the games they they enter in tournaments and all stuff like that and they want to see videos do you think the other 97 percent or maybe 90 percent want to watch this stuff and or, or maybe it, it's going to produce a negative backlash from all these the much larger set of population that doesn't actually want to see these things i doubt that there would be any kind of backlash i think that at worst it will just uh go on to be largely ignored i guess what i mean not backlash but like a a natural preference to avoid yeah we'll be right back Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we are back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. You know, we still have a Facebook channel. We sure do. Or Facebook page. Even even that. Is that what the kids call it these days? Uh, it's interchangeable. We got a question on it, right? We did have a question we on did. it. I want to remind everyone, so it's uh, Facebook slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio, otherwise known as really, really long URL you can just link to from our website. Yeah, so this is what happens. You ask us questions on Facebook, and then we talk about them on the show. Yeah. So... One of our listeners, Aaron, was asking us if we would talk about Titanfall and Project Spark. And I think I promised to investigate what those were all about. But Uh, I didn't. Well, I made no such claims, but I did. So, uh, lucky uh, everybody. So, it's good. So, you can tell me about it. My understanding is Titanfall is the big first-person shooter that everyone's excited about. Yeah, this is, this is from Respawn One. Entertainment. Remember the guys who broke off from the Call of Duty developers and then there was massive lawsuits and so on? No. Yeah, these are the two guys. I mean, I remember the story, just not that okay. they're the ones making Titanfall. Okay, well, they are. Okay, good. And so, so this is kind of funny because both you and I are avowed non-first-person shooter fans. No, I... No, you will not take such vows? No. I mean, you don't okay. like them at all, but I've I've played them a lot in my time. All right. Well, fair enough. Don't want to speak for other no, party. I, I'm not one of those people who's played, like, a ton of Call of Duty or whatever. Yeah. I've, I've played all the Halo games, and I've liked them. And... All right. Well, fair enough. Just not very good. I got to say, so Titanfall is supposed to come out, actually, in March. 
And seriously, it's that soon? All right. I was thinking it's that far off. Well, Destiny is coming out, I think, September of next year. Yeah, that's another title I'm not following. I feel like that's basically, yeah, it's in the first year of launch. That's that's early-ish. Yeah. Apparently, this game, I did not realize, broke all kinds of records for winning the most number of awards at E3. Wow. Maybe if we went to E3, we would know this stuff. Possibly. Uh, but it's it's not surprising. It would probably win all those awards just on the basis of all of the attention that was around this company and these individuals. But the anyway. The engine is, uh, is strong. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I got to say, though, as, as much as I'm not really into FPSs, they've, they've got a really interesting concept. I mean, the whole thing is all about there's these mechs and your pilots too, and you can get in the mechs and do combat and you can get out of the mech and not do combat and I guess do combat as a pilot. Can you and, also distort time? And no, 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 no. Come on. No, no creeping featureism on this show. And they apparently got a nice balance between, cause these mechs are supposed to be gigantic and the pilots are supposed to be small. And so you can go in and out of them and uh, you got a bunch of moves and stuff you can do like that. And, they're, they really want to, like, emphasize verticality in first-person shooters, which I think is interesting because that, that region is definitely not explored enough. They have a good hook, and what? I think it's a good concept. What do you mean when you say verticality? Uh, more stuff up and down versus left and right. Oh. Well, that's pretty simple. Okay. Yeah. Are these mechs flying mechs? Um, don't know. And I would say I don't care because I don't, but um, so I've rubbed that in. Do you also already. know something about Project Spark? Yeah, so this is the game. This is the isn't that like a help you make your own game kind of game? Yeah, this is the the it's a game tool, but it's also a game kind of thing. And in a lot of ways, it seems to be kind of like Little Big Planet on steroids. Can I tell you what cliche is overused? In, Little big in video game on steroids. World? Just on steroids. Yeah, but it's so apt. Okay. Like, cliches exist for a reason. So explain this to me. All I've seen is like, I feel like this, this one piece of art that shows, you know, land and sky and a big tree or something. That's all I know about this game. That's, that's pretty much all I know in addition to what I've said. So we, we don't know a lot, but it's... um. I mean, I don't know. It's not really that appealing to me because in as much as I love making games, when I spend so much time actually making games that I don't want to be making games in my games that I wish I'm playing. Okay, so maybe you're not the market. It's definitely not my market. But that's the same reason why I wasn't so jazzed about Little Big Planet. I mean, it's cool. The editor is totally robust. There's an astonishing array of things you could do with it and depth that you could achieve with the verb, all the things, but it's takes about the same amount of work to make something really good. And even a highly accessible tool as it is to make something in a highly inaccessible tool when you're developing a game. So it's to me, I'm already doing that. So I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, so do you know anything about the game other than the fact that it's meant to also let you make stuff? No, nothing beyond highly overused cliches. Okay, so here's what we've learned. Guy goes to Facebook and asks us a question. We promise we'll do the necessary investigation to be able to answer that question, and we do not. Is that, is that how it works? Hey, um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I've addressed all of those points. Okay. Well, so well, what was his original question of, again? Well, beyond the Call of Duty. Well, he's actually wondering if these games might at all, he specifically, mm-hmm. quote, change the new generation of gaming. Um, what, what does that mean? Just because they're big, cool games? I mean, there are big, cool games on other systems, too. Yeah. I don't know. Why don't we ask Aaron? All right. Yeah. Build on that a little bit. But I, I think it's also my responsibility to learn more about Project Spark. I think that game has more potential to have you know an effect on on a genre or something but i would argue if 
based on the very little we've talked about, it seems like Little Big Planet did that already. The, yeah, I don't think that these games will introduce something categorically new because they are very much like things that exist now, it seems. They're just more and better than they've been done before. Well, maybe. And then, Oh, and then with Titanfall, verticality. So if you've been pining for verticality. Whatever. I don't know. I feel like it. that's been done before, too. I mean, more, more verticality. Battlefield has, you know, ships and things you can get in and more verticality than ever. Even. Okay. Okay. Anyway, let's go on. I feel like we're killing this thing over and over. All right. Well, hey, to help us with the segue, I am going to have a commercial. UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. You should go. I mean, not necessarily to the school, but to the website to learn if you should go to the school. See how I did that? It's just just right in there in the middle. Break it in. Okay. This so, is why we make the big bucks. Yeah, I know. I, and by us, I mean you. <laughs> so so what else we got today? Let's let's talk we, about some new games. New ones or the games you made me play? Uh, both. Okay. So so GT6 came out on Friday. That's Gran Turismo. I do not have Gran Turismo 6. It's, it's strange to me that you, the, the greatest Gran Turismo player that I have ever known, uh, have chosen not to get that game on launch. Because it came out a few days ago. I mean, it's it's at this point almost a week old. Well, I've learned a few things, though. And I've been researching intensely, as you would expect me to do. Of course. So the first thing I did was try and find out, because I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time, but some people got an early copy of the game. and You You and I I, talked about this, but not during the show. So since I have my elaborate three-screen setup, and since I've been highly spoiled with utilizing these three screens, it's it's a big bummer to go back to one screen after three, okay? And so my initial thought was I'm not really in any hurry to play this game unless it has the three-monitor support, which, of course, since about 17 people in the United States can make use of the feature, not a high-priority feature. So... I wasn't even sure if it'd come on disc. So I spent um, several pages on a forum engaging with uh, the people on there and not getting straight answers from them because most people on forums uh, are more interested in uh, arguing with you about nothing for three pages and asserting themselves on stupid points over and over. So so this one guy... Let me ask you, all all the effort that you put into this, figuring this out, is it worth $30 to you? Look, to save all of this effort? No, no, no. Look, we got, we, we, there's, it's, this is far more elaborate than you've ever imagined. Is this just a quest of principle for you? No, no, no. You'll, you'll see. I have to explain so you understand the logic and also just the, court, the, yeah. the order Forgive of me. I guess, I guess I did cut in early. Okay. Go ahead. So it, it'll all become apparent. So for, first I was like, look, I need to find out if this thing even has multi-screen for me to even care about it. Because I don't care about it unless I can play it with the multi-screen. So that's number one. So anyway, I found out through laborious means that it was indeterminate because, of course, you know, the, the people online on, on these forums are like, well, somebody said it once in a, a, and stated it, it, that it would come, it would be in. So uh, I don't know why you're asking people. Right, and because that's maybe because you don't trust the developers to actually release the feature. uh, I don't know, or maybe like an extemporaneous comment at a party like three months ago, and then posted two months ago randomly is maybe not reliable information for what's actually going to happen. Maybe that has something to do with it. Anyway, anyway, I finally found out uh, that no, it did not come on disc. The multi-screen feature, and there was a day one patch, and it was not in the day one patch either. So it's been assured that it's coming, but we don't know when. So this feature could come next week. This feature could appear in six months. Nobody knows. So that's number one. Number two was that when I was looking around, there was actually a, it's it's kind of interesting. There were a variety of very different pre-order offers for this game. So depending on what store you bought it from, you got a different pre-order package. So the one that I liked the most, which was Newegg's offer, was uh, you don't get nothing, but you just pay $10 less. Okay. Whereas if you ordered somewhere else, you got a bunch of money in the game. 
you order it somewhere, somewhere else. You got like a bunch of free cars. I like doing it the hard way. So I just got a discount on the price. back again you were just saying that uh you opted to just save money get a yeah. cheaper so, cheaper version of the game so it's on its way but it's not here yet you know i'm getting old alan that's that's true we're both aging as rapidly. much as i deny it to myself and part of this oldness fortunately brings patience and the ability to look back upon... Okay, I'm not going to wax about this. Look. You're willing to wait, I'm even though you've been waiting game for this game for forever. a long time. It doesn't matter to me anymore for me to get it on the first day. That's how I felt about these new systems. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still wanted it out of principle <laughs> on the first day. Yeah. Well, I wanted to play it. I, some of my friends got it, and I played it a little bit. Okay. Uh, it's cool. More Gran Turismo. I'll take more Gran Turismo. Sure. And so does it does it differ significantly from number five? Well, it's an incremental upgrade. So it's funny because they're basically developing this game as if it was a service anyway, and we're just getting and we're purchasing essentially monolithic upgrades for the product. So, for example. What they're doing with a lot of free-to-play games right now is that they're just continuously developing the game product and giving regular updates. And they're basically treating Gran Turismo the same way. So you get you know a couple things here fixed, a couple things there fixed, a couple of big features that are totally new, um, like driving on the moon. Somehow this is exciting for people. But in a large part, it's uh, incremental. So it feels better to drive. Uh, it's funny because we're really getting to the point where the PS3 is getting taxed as much as it can be. So supposedly the resolution is greater on the screen. They're pushing more pixels than they used to be. However, they're actually using a different anti-aliasing technique that in fact does make the screen look softer. So that's good in my opinion, but I know you're not a fan of the anti-aliasing. Well, the thing is, is that in the last with the previous anti-aliasing technique, it was just it was perfectly smooth as it was. But now it's just more soft than before. And even you, Alan, I think you could tell the difference. And I would be shocked, actually, if you preferred the new softness to the old one, although with it. We got a lot of other changes that are really good. They uh, Something that's really cool, actually, is you can see in your rearview mirror, when there's cars far away, you can kind of see their headlights flicker a little bit, whereas before you couldn't. And it's definitely a canned thing that they're doing as a technique. But it's really nice because it really gives you that feedback when you're not actually, you don't have to actually stare at the rearview mirror anymore. You can you don't even have to glance at it. You can just kind of just use your peripheral vision as it's intended to. So that's pretty cool. They're doing a lot more with like atmospheric effects and stuff like that, and that's really nice. Time of day. Have weather. you had the chance to see Forza on the Xbox One yet? No, I haven't. Okay, I Not want you yet. to see that and tell me if I'm crazy about how they handle their rear view. Yeah, well, I mean, if you notice that it was reduced resolution or at least poly count, I believe you. Yeah, it it seems. It's weird. It takes away from the the game realism to me. But anyway. Well, well, you you may be happy to know in that case that the rearview mirror in GT6 is now the shape of a generic rearview mirror instead of the shape of a generic rectangle. <laughs> that's good. So that's that's another big win. It's it, what's more interesting to me is that I bet I would not be able to tell the difference graphically between Gran Turismo 6 and Forza. 
It's um, even though it's a whole I'm, generation. I'm wondering if you would could tell the difference between six and five. It's pretty. It's pretty subtle, but it's a definite well. At least those are on the same generation. But think about it. Hey, I mean, from fair, PlayStation yeah, Three to Xbox One. Fair enough. But the other thing is that Forza goes really for flashy beautifulness in their visuals, and Gran Turismo is not so much about that. So I think you'd notice anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So overall, you just don't care about this game? Is that what you're telling me? No, I Otherwise, care, you would have bought it? I care very much about it. How long have I been playing Gran Turismo 5? Too damn long. Yeah. So it's like a week here or there, it's going to make no difference. Okay. So let's talk about these other games that you made me play yeah, before the show today. So these aren't new. Not they're, new at all. They're kind of, they're, they're relatively new, okay? They're actually a few months old. And, okay, so they're, ironically, this is only a coincidence. They're actually, I think, the same developer and publisher. Uh, one of them was Kickbeat, and the other one was called Castle Storm. But let's talk about Kickbeat a little bit. I, I got to say, before we even go into the details of the games, um, what's most interesting to me is the fact that, so first of all, these are PlayStation Network games, right? They're not... Uh, disc releases that's right or like full retail release i should say right um and i've been saying or thinking for a long time that like this this move to digital that all the companies seem to want um it's so in this in this current generation it seems to me and i could be wrong but it seems like there's no longer this concept at least with microsoft right there's a game that you can buy on disc or you can buy it digitally. And then there's Xbox Live Arcade. It's like a, it's a different it's a different set of games. Right, which is a graveyard now, but there's the PSN, the analog on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's the retail and then the network, even though the retail games are now on the network. But there was that separation. So there was an understanding that you're getting a different type of game for a different price point. Right. Um, and you had different expectations. Sure. One of those expectations is there would be advertising. Right, I'm gonna see Was ads it? for Forza or for, you know, Halo or whatever, and I'm not gonna get any of those ads for Xbox Live Arcade for the most part, or for PlayStation Network or whatever. Um, and and that made me think I'm never gonna see these digital only games anywhere. I'm never gonna know about them. Kickbeat literally never heard of it, and it is right up my alley. Oh yeah, there's oh well, that's that's just one of the multitude of problems with these online storefronts but like the only reason i ever heard of fez is because it was in that movie yeah it was in that indie game movie and then people talked about it a lot which by the way they just announced they sold a million copies across all systems which is yeah exactly why it was fresh in my head (laughs) uh so like it happened to hit the blogosphere yeah that that was it but like if it didn't i would have no knowledge of these games and so the the example of kickbeat and this other one castle storm never heard of them never would have played them at all. This is the number one problem in just video game publishing in general, is how do you market your game? And it's funny because way back in the Nintendo days, they actually, it was, it was a like unique new th- strategy to basically spend just as much marketing your game as you would developing it, which uh, it's, it's a very interesting proposition. If you spent a million dollars developing your game, that means you would also be spending a million dollars just doing marketing of the game. Yeah, well, I mean, marketing is very, very costly. And that doesn't that still happen? I mean, is, has marketing, sur- marketing surpassed development costs at um, this point? I mean, I'm sure in some cases, Microsoft, <clears throat> I'm sure it has. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's been kind of the status quo ever since then. And so, yeah, it's always just been generally understood especially among marketers that, yeah, you're going to be spending a lot of money marketing because it's hard to get the word out. And there's just so many competitors. I mean, I, I think I've seen like internet ads for, for digital download only games. You know, you go to the right website and you're going to see ads for whatever. Yeah. Or maybe I've even seen angry birds on television. I don't, I don't know if I have, I don't really watch television much these days, but um, I, I wonder about this. Like how are these games ever going to get up because they don't have shelf space. To, to yeah. show up on. And then, well, not only do they not have shelf space, right? Their digi- digital shelf space is... It's manipulated. You and I were just talking about this also today before the show. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to segue. Cause we should really talk about the gameplay of Geekbeat, but I, this is important too. Uh, so one thing we just noticed, first of all, was that the PSN storefront 
is just getting worse and worse every time. Oh, it constantly changes. It, it constantly changes, and it gets worse in ways that continue to vex and shock and amaze. Well, first, I'll give them some credit. Obviously, they listen to me because now the PlayStation Plus menu option has more than just trying to sell me PlayStation Plus. Now it has like a sub option of stuff relating to PlayStation Plus. That's great. Something I was especially livid about this time was that now if you go to uh, new, let's say, demos, right? Uh, once you find it, because there's 7,000 menu items before it, you don't get a list of the new demos. You get a list of about five items. And that are new-ish. They're new-ish, but they're not the newest five things. They're just the five things that Sony Marketing decided they want you to see. And if you actually want to see what the newest things are, you have to go to the very end. You have to go to the back of the store, basically, the end of the menu. And then you go into the see everything. And then you get this list of everything, of all the demos. But the default sorting of that list is in the uh, least wanted order, right? It's like alphabetical A to Z. And what you really want 99% of the time is to see the newest things. So once you go in there, and of course, the item to make it sort by newest is also the last thing on the list. So basically, out of every single thing you can access, they're making it as hard as possible for you to do nothing more but just see what the newest demos are. Which is weird. I would expect them to want to promote that because it does seem obvious that people want it. Unless there's like, okay, now I'm going to be really speculative, some kind of vested interest in like they actually don't want to. They actually got all excited about that EDAR study that decided that uh, demos just uh, don't sell games very well. And maybe they just want to minimize the importance of demos. And by burying it the way that they're burying it, they're ensuring that the popularity of these things can only decrease. I think I mentioned this to you uh, off the air. Uh, I, I downloaded Tiny Brains last night for PlayStation 4. And I guess it's it exists for PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. Um, in one area, and I can't remember which is which or why, but in one area it told me that the game was 2.9 gigs. That was I think that was specifically when I went into the demo to download the demo. Um, but then when I went somewhere else in the store looking for the game, it said it was 1.6 gigs. That I mean, that's almost twice as much one place to the next. And I was wondering if, like, Maybe the 2.9 was a measurement of both the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. You know, now that you put it this way, that maybe that's what it was. But it, it just says, here you go. Here's the game. It's going to be 2.9 gigs. I actually downloaded to my system. Yeah. It'd be weird if it downloaded the PlayStation 3 version to the PlayStation 4 system. But um, it was very confusing. And I wondered if maybe the demo came with a bunch of extra video. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm video so impressed at their ability to make a confusing interface. It's, oh, yeah. It's just new heights every week. That's right. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back one final time, but just for this week, it's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. But then we're also going to come back next week, too, so don't get it. 
too worried. And as always, it's sponsored by UAT, the University of Advanced Technology. Their website is uat.edu. Some people have been posting in my Facebook feed, by the way, some cool thing that UAT people did. It's like a Bohemian Rhapsody parody. I guess you're not on Facebook very much, so you haven't seen this. Something about Star Wars. That would be accurate assessment of yeah. my Facebook I don't know if it's just people who are from or know people from UAT that are spreading this or if it's something that has like caught wind elsewhere on the internet. But if you guys have heard of this and you're not connected to UAT people, let me know because I want to figure out if this is just sort of a UAT thing. So if you've seen some sort of Bohemian Rhapsody Star Wars parody somewhere written about, uh, you should post it to our Facebook page or something or just email me. So I'm eager to get back to kickbeat. Okay, yeah, kickbeat. So we got off. Okay, we got gotta, off topic a bit. But... I gotta, I gotta preface something here. So when I first saw this game in the uh, list of demos on the PSN, I read the description and I was like, "Hmm, this is really interesting. This is a fighting game where performing moves to the beat matters." Yeah, I mean, I I figured it would be a music game. Yeah, but you didn't you didn't read fighting, you didn't read elements. the description I read. So so interestingly enough, right, having to go only by off of uh, what was presented to me before actually deciding whether I should download the game or not, I was completely misled as to the nature of the game. So in fact, it's not a fighting game at all. The thing that it, the thing that surprised well, I shouldn't be that surprised actually. It actually. And it ended up being like the least exciting combination of things that were swimming around in my head, which was it's basically just a rhythm action game that is dressed up in a uh, your, you know, this guy kicking opponents or punching opponents theme. I got to say, it's pretty much what I expected based only on the title. Yeah. But this is this is um. The thing that's really interesting about this one and then also Castle Storm thematically is that and, – and well, we'll get to Castle Storm in a second, right? But they both to me seem like in one dimension they were – the concept was determined off of other popular games with the hope that, well, if this is a popular concept, then if we carry that over – to our new games that our new games can sell better. And this is how disgustingly uh, a lot of video games are determined to be made. Yeah, but I mean, I've so, I mean, so in other copycats words, everywhere, but I got to say these guys, they didn't just make a copycat game. I mean, they, they reimagined it. Oh no, no, there was, there's more substance there. I'm not, I'm not arguing that, but it seems funny that Kickbeat is basically just a rhythm action game uh, with, with an, however interesting thematic rapper and then castle storm uses the uses the slingshot mechanic of angry birds with the uh castle structural uh physics coming apart aspect of it too uh but in order to perform a totally different game yeah we were arguing about this earlier i don't think it's anything like angry birds and it doesn't use the slingshot mechanic at all it tells you exactly where your stuff's going to shoot Angry Birds. There's some question about where your bird's going to end up. Yeah, it's and... mechanically different. But if you just if you look at it on a level, I'm not I'm not asking you to compare it exactly. I'm asking you to just. I mean, step... there's some similarity. You're destroying a structure. There's a structure that uses the same sort of physics combination of pieces that fall apart once they're hit with physical things that you're launching from your ballista. Which I mean, yeah, the controls aren't exactly the same. But I I just can't help but think that. If Guitar Hero wasn't so huge, that Kickbeat would not exist. And if Angry Birds was not so huge, Castle Storm would not exist. Ironically, Castle Storm is pretty interesting to me. And you seem to not be able to play it. And I couldn't play Kickbeat at all. And you seem to take to it quite well. Well, yeah. I mean, we're both rhythm rhythm players. Yeah, but here's the crazy thing about Kickbeat, right? This was what destroyed it for me, and it just seemed to be like a minor like a thing that you noticed, which was that so what you're doing is you're this character in the middle of this circle, and basically there's these uh the 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 quote-unquote notes of the song are embodied by these uh 
all similar looking opponents that they kind of strut around the circle and then when they approach one of the cardinal points of the circle that's when you're supposed to you know use one of the buttons that maps to one of those cardinal points to take them out which let, let me describe this in a way that people might understand well, over this the is radio. perfectly understandable what's wrong with my description you're a guy in the center and bad dudes come at you from the top bottom left or right cardinal and points you have to hit hit the button yeah to attack them at the right time yeah and so basically it's it's just like beat mania except with the fighting theme but the thing that completely destroys it, right? So the the angle that I want to take on this is that it it really smacks of a group of people who saw a game and were inspired by it and wanted to make a game like that game, but then also forgot about what were the essential aspects of that game that they derived from that made it so great. And I'll explain why. Yeah. No, it, you and I saw the same thing in it where it it has like a critical flaw that makes it difficult to play and and yeah so a I'll game just, that is difficult to play is the worst kind of game right so i'll just mention it right um the biggest one and the best one to to use as an example is that so since these notes are embodied with in 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 these people right the thing that was so great and essentially great about guitar hero rock band beat mania and so on is that you saw these things coming down a lane, and so you could predict their timing and their appearance. And that that whole thing of watching the notes come down the lane was an incredibly powerful feedback system that also helped you really get into the groove of what you were actually performing. It helps you perform better having that detail, like that, that granularity of feedback. But you don't get this in this game because... They're kind of like you don't know which one is going to like approach the position until they're right there, right? Yeah, and, and so you and don't the, get to see far down the track, as it were. Like I can tell if because they they don't come directly at you from the left, you know, from these these cardinal directions, right? They'll sort of walk around the circle, but you can tell that this guy who's walking around, he's going to come from the right because he he's at the bottom now and he's moving towards the right, so that's where he's going to come from. But the problem is when he's going to hit. The, the timing is really really important and yeah. so this game expects you to to only succeed through trial and error where you listen to the song and so obviously you can identify the beats of the song and then you know that okay at this particular point in the song these two guys come on this beat rather than that beat and the next guy comes on the you know the eighth note following right. that you, instead that of the quarter you're, note you're completely that. losing the advantage of having a, a rhythm game by the rhythm game communicating to you what's going to happen before it happens. Yeah. And right? And then, yeah, just like you said, it becomes basically trial and error. Part of me really wants to like this game because it's been a long time since I've played a, a rhythm yeah. action game. And it has, like you said, it's kind of an interesting wrapper. But it's, yeah, it's here's, essentially not playable. Here's one more aspect kind of game. that I got to mention that they completely missed. And it's a subtle thing that actually a lot of rhythm games really miss. The the quality of the experience of playing a rhythm game is really, really highly dependent on the – if it's really abstract, like in this one. So, for example, you basically only have four notes to play, right? And every single sound in the song is going to have to be mapped to those four positions, right? Whether whether it's you know the controller buttons in this game or uh, guitar fake guitar buttons in a fake guitar game. The thing is, systematic consistency and saliency are the key things to that type of interaction, and that's what they're missing. And here's what I mean by that. When you have a song that has a very discernible beat that's contrasting very well against the other sounds, right, you would naturally expect that the notes you want to hit are on that beat, right? Because you perceive best the most salient beat, in other words, the most noticeable beat. And if they don't map the things that you have to perform to that, then that makes it counterintuitive because that'll screw you up because you're naturally wanting to right hit the beat that you can hear. And a lot of times you have to hit the beat that you can't hear so well. So that's one thing. The other thing is that's really important is that if the sounds that you're pressing don't map in a logical way, it's just going to make it harder to play too. So for example, right... Now, this is going to impose some things on, on the design of this game that maybe the original developers didn't want to. 
but this is sometimes you have to make concessions for playability. And for example, if all of the, uh, and this is going to be abstract, right? Like if all of the hi-hat notes in the song were always the top button and all the uh, like bass beat notes were always the X button, right? This is something systematic that you can figure out and that will help you perform better because you understand how it works as a system. But the, at least from what we played, there is no coherent systematic way this was done, right? This is this is the ascent, this is the essence of design actually is and this is why it's good to design things systematically is because when things are built as systems it's easier for people to figure them out they're logical it makes sense when things aren't built as systems and they're just randomly done here or there uh it just feels like a person's uh, exploring a space of randomness and it's hard for a player to discern what the rules are and how to master them well this this is sort of another question to me of um you know, the difference between a full retail game and these digital-only sub-games or casual games. Because this is just a $10 game, right? So the company's not going to put a bunch of time and effort into this. They yeah, probably... but you know what? Even the $50 games have $10 game designs, and there are a few $10 games that have $50 game designs. Yeah, but I can complain more about those. Eh, fair enough. You know, in a, in a game like this, I'm like, well, yeah, whatever. It's it's 10 bucks worth, and... But the problem is that more and more people are developing games like that, which means my expectations just get lowered over time. Yeah. Well, what makes me sad is that you have to play a game for a while and you have to be attentive to it to understand uh, all of these aspects of it. And uh, the, most of the criteria people just go by now is that, oh, it looks good. Okay, it's good. It yeah, looks it's... bad. Okay, it must be bad. That seems to be my measurement of these next-gen games, but yeah, <laughs> not, not very good. By the way, I did look up Project Spark. Uh, during one of our breaks and it's it's intriguing and sad all at the same time because it's going to end up just like like little big planet where there's a million things to do and only two people make good content next time i want to say something about the cadence of microsoft presentations we can talk more about that next week anyway thank you very much for listening everyone chatterbox video game radio is the website no chatterboxgameshow.com that's the website You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.